Okay, April, April 21st, 2019, Sunday morning. It's Easter, Easter Sunday. What is, what are the thoughts when you walk Bud? You walk Bud, Bud's ready for a walk. And uh, it's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, 71 degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. The sun is shining. It's Arizona. And I can see uh, probably at least 5, 10, 20 miles, 30 miles, some mountains out in the distance. Not like it's, you know, the Alps or anything, but it's just the the scenery I'm in. This is the scenery when you walk Bud. You know, my walk when I walk Bud. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't planning on this podcast, but, you know, as you know, if you've listened to before, none of these are planned out. <clears throat> so, I don't know if I should even publish these thoughts. I'm, I'm getting, I'm wondering, I was thinking, man, I'm embarrassed by my thoughts, but are they just real? I mean, do they, they're actually just the real thoughts anyways, right? And more than likely, people have similar thoughts if they take the time to walk their dog. <laughs> or, you know, most people don't have dogs. There's different stages of life. I'm in the enjoy walking your dog stage. But I didn't have that when I was 25 or 30. 35, I didn't have a walk the dog stage of my life then. Because overcome by all kinds of other crap. And now, I'm in the walk the dog stage. Hey bud, what are you going to do? Okay. Let's go. Smell in the bushes. It's springtime. It's Easter and a lot of people will be smiling and happy because it's Easter and we all want that uh, we all want that uh, positive confidence assurance great feeling. We want that. And once a year, we have Easter, and so there's various, various uh, relations to Easter. Some might be bitter. Some might be. <laughs> some might. Some might be like, nah, nah. There's no way in hell some guy raised rose from the dead. That's bullshit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, but that that, that reminded me of the. Uh, my instant grandson who just turned five yesterday. And the last couple of weeks I was thinking about it, you know, his, uh, his mother is very protective about religion. So she's got this kind of, I'm sure she must have some kind of bitterness towards religion for some reason. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why she has a bitterness towards religion. And she's probably what, 25, 26 years old. I don't know, probably 26. My daughter-in-law, yeah, it's kind of awkward. It's, uh, and I, I probably shouldn't, uh, maybe this is a good lesson for me. I was 25 one time, right? So what the hell did I know? I was kind of cocky and arrogant. And, um, that's why push it, you know, why fight it? I just enjoy that she, she, uh, 
she has my next grandson <laughs> in her uh, her belly. Little boy coming in August. And what that? What am I stressed out over? It's kind of awkward though. It's it's kind of natural because there's not that bond, you know. She has some uh, some angst, and yet she's very quote unquote successful. She is. I, I admire her her uh, energy, her tenacity, and she's very doing very well at work. But she's probably seeking approval, too. I mean, she's probably, you know, like we all do. We all want approval. And um, so can I, at, this, at my grand old walking the dog stage of my life, age, wisdom, I guess it comes with that, um, I can accept her and, and just love her as she is now. Is she going to receive my love? How do I express that love? I don't know. I think for me is like to back off and not jam religion or something on her because I know she doesn't like it. <laughs> right? Isn't that? <laughs> it's just like let it go, you know? And it's kind of tough because my wife has a, a little different view, you know? She's, I don't know. There's, And I wish my wife and I were on the same page in this. And I, and I just can't expect, I guess, I got to back off on that too. You know, I got to, back off of my wife because she really wants like this churchy you know go to churchy thing and that's where all the goodness comes from and at my age I'm like I don't know if that churchy thing is really when we go there and stuff and it's like I don't there's not always life and it's like I'm not a church hopper and so I'm going through my own process I don't, I don't have it all figured out and I might end up having to leave and go to another one. And, uh, you know, and that might be the best thing. I don't know. Because I, can't, I just get the sense we miss the message sometimes. And, uh, yeah, and uh, we... I uh, journaled this morning and I was like, I got to relax, you know. This is Easter and it's new life. And here's someone uh, walking quickly. It's, it's nice out here. It's sunny, like I said. Bud wants to go this way. Okay. What you want to do, Bud? Oh, you want to hang out by this pole? Okay. So it's uh, externally looking around. It's a beautiful Sunday morning on April 21st. It's only 71 degrees and we're heading for, we're heading for our summertime here where it gets smoking hot. <laughs> so the, if you are listening from another part of the country, um, then you don't really get the, the visuals of what I'm seeing. But I see, they have blooming, these, these certain trees, I don't know which one they are, but they have these yellow flowers on them. And about early to mid-April, they start to drop these leaves but it's very colorful so we get yellow flowers along the path here but nice bright sunshine and I just you know should I just I need to enjoy it and be thankful for it it is pretty pleasant out here and that's not the case I ran into a New Yorker last night he was walking his dog and 
Mike and got a nice big German Shepherd and she got bitten by a snake. So probably the snake, same snake that I had Bud by, which I was very lucky that Bud didn't get bit by him because he's only 22 pounds and it wouldn't, may not have ended well for Bud. The old rattlesnakes. So I saw Mike and he's got family in New York and he basically got out of New York when he was 16. He's got that nice Bronx, Long Island accent. <laughs> and he lives out here in the desert. So different than New York. So different than Long Island. And we're so fortunate to be able to move these days, you know, and travel. Just change the scenery. Get get out. Here comes a couple of big dogs. We'll see. See how we do here. And uh, it's a beautiful morning. All right. Hey, good morning. Uh oh, dogs sniffing. Here we go. You want? <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, hi. You guys want to sniff or no? No. He does, but he's being obnoxious on leashes lately. Is he? Yeah. Oh, he's. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We'll it happens. Pass. We'll pass today, yeah, but you. you guys have a great day, don't you? <laughs> right. Hey, buddy, come on. <laughs> oh, dogs, bud. Yeah. How do you interact with other dogs? It's everybody has a different uh, view. I, I don't know. I'm not upset with that. An encounter. I had Bud on a leash, and she, she had a nice 60-pound black lab. Bud's only 20 pounds, so uh, she had to pick up that big dog. <laughs> no. probably, she probably didn't like picking him up, but anyway, or her. I don't know what it was. Haven't seen that dog before, but it's cool. I, to me, that was fine. Whatever. Dogs are dogs. I don't. Come on, buddy. Let's go. So yeah, Mike from New York. So he's just happy to be in a different mindset. It's a different, different experience out here. And it's not ideal. I mean, like we're going to smoke, be smoking hot pretty soon. It's going to be weird, but uh, it's definitely different than New York. And there's more space out here, right? We have more space and uh, quiet. And I, again, this is not ideal. It's where I'm at. So I'm not bragging and saying, like, this is the best place on the planet, but <clears throat> I am where I am. It's not bad. So I did go to Colorado last week and had an Uber drive that was fascinating. So uh, they talked to the Uber driver. I sound like asking about pot because it's legal up there. And I'm like, so how many people do you think smoke pot? <laughs> smoke weed. So my mind just got blown away with this. I was just there for, what, 24? I was in the state for about 32 hours, and it just, it just blew me away, Colorado. And, it, and it's not the, the landscape or the mountains or the beauty. It was just, I was just, just people, because I, I know I just like interacting with people. And... Um, you know, and uh, so he tells me 85, 85% of the people in Colorado now are smoking weed. I don't know what, the, I mean, 
I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. Of course, my first thought was like, well, he probably smokes weed himself, so he's probably, not that his judgment's off, but it's like anything. If you're enjoying something or doing something, then you think everybody else is. So he's, his, it may be only 50%, but since he's a participant, to him it might look like 85%. And I don't know what the real number is, and it's probably well over 20%, that's for sure, <laughs> 20 or 30%. And uh, so it was just fascinating me. I was just fascinated by this situation. You know, it's kind of, it's very funny to me. I was like, what? So, uh, yeah, but, he, but on the other hand, he's got a pretty good sample um, size because he's an Uber driver. He gets hundreds of people in his car, and people seem to talk to Uber drivers. And it's like the old hairdresser, you know, you tell your hairdresser everything, but people more frequently take Uber drives, potentially, than they do get their hair cut. So, anyways, he told me about... Um, grammar school teachers smoking weed a lot in Colorado. <laughs> so, so putting up with all those kids, you know, they come home from school and uh, it's time to light up some weed. So so that's that, right? So now I was fascinated by the weed thing. So I had another Uber drive the next day back to the airport. And he, he thought what I asked him, he's, he's a musician doing a band. The whole band does Uber when they're not touring. So he was pretty cool. And so we talked. So he kind of thought it might be 85% too. So we got some pretty high numbers on the weed thing. Both guys are like 25 or so. So that's my data points. And But then I get on the airplane to fly to L.A. And... Uh, so there was a couple of women in my row who were from Colorado. So we chatted, and um, both women are probably over 50, like my age group, I guess you'd say. And one, the one next to me was actually like, after about a half hour, an hour, I f we figured out that we're both in business doing sales, business development type work. So she does IT work and we, you know, we do our manufacturing thing. So, uh, and then the other one was a singer. She sings, so she, we, she had some YouTube videos and we, we all subscribed to her video and found each other on Facebook, LinkedIn. And uh, the singer, well, let's see, how did this go down? So we kind of like worked on getting our phones connected to the Wi-Fi on the airplane and all that good stuff. And uh, probably ended up talking the whole two hours, which is a violation of the European view of Americans, which is perfect strangers get on planes and start chatting with each other. <clears throat> but that's what extroverts do. And at least extroverts, introverts, 
probably 50-50 in the world, which is probably, I don't know, who knows what the percentage is. And the introverts who smoke weed, they've all, they instantly become extroverts now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I, knew, I, I don't know if the listener in Colorado, I do have a, my main listener, probably the one who's listened to the most of this dog walking thing. And I don't know why she does. Hopefully it's entertaining. Um, and she has four kids living in Colorado now. So naturally, I, well, it turns out the singer um, is in the weed business. So they're, I don't know, I didn't really get the details of how, what, what part of the weed business she's in. But I don't know if it's dispensaries or what. But uh, I asked, um, well, I, I back up the other woman who's like a quote-unquote a professional. Looks like a you know, professional woman. She just kind of smiled, had this smile. was like, yeah, I smoke weed. <laughs> it was just such a funny, I wish I had a picture of her face as she smiled and said, yeah, I smoke weed. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, what is going on in this world? And, it, and it's like, I'm not, I just looked at him. I'm like, I'm not judging, you know, these people. I don't know what the right, it's like, I don't know. I mean, we, we drink alcohol, and that, that has its downsides. And and some people argue both sides. You know, not, I don't know about both sides, but they argue like, yeah, well, weed's, weed's better than alcohol. You know, it doesn't impair your driving as much. I don't know, whatever. And I really don't want to take a position. It's weird. It's like I I used to want to take a position on all, everything. Like, oh, it's right or wrong. It's right or wrong. And I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. But as they say nowadays, it is what it is. And so I don't know what's going on. And we just had 420 yesterday. They probably had a big party in Colorado, which was not observant here, as far as I could tell, in Arizona. But probably could find pockets of of 420 people, April 20th. I don't know what, the, what there's. I guess it used to be potheads way back in the day. They would all meet on April 20th to smoke weed. I, it's just a weird day. And so I guess Colorado, the bill was 422. The, the Uber driver, Oliver, told me. So uh, weed culture, Colorado. Um, so I asked, like, so how... So it's a pretty high percentage of people smoking weed. You got lawyers, bankers come home instead of having a drink. They might light up. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a practicing weed smoker, so I don't know. I did ask a friend of mine. He said he doesn't like weed because it, it, uh, what would he say? Something about he gets, it makes him like freak out in a certain way. I forgot what it was again. It made him paranoid or something, or he felt, uh, He's my friend with a big vocabulary, so I'm sure he had a really nice word <laughs> to describe <laughs> describe his reaction to weed. But he doesn't like it, so I'm sure I'd, I'd probably tend to respond similar to like he might. So, uh, weed, yeah. So I asked, like, so how many, like, young mothers, like, are smoking weed? You know, like... Um, 
mothers with four kids, you know, from ages like, I don't know, two, one, ages one to eight. Are they smoking, smoking weed? And, and the singer uh, in the aisle seat was like, Oh yeah, we're, we're we got a um, we're we're marketing to young mothers. Yeah, yeah, we got a product that uh, apparently you can smoke the weed, but it only lasts for two hours or something. So that if you have to change diapers or something, you won't feel guilty because you know you, you can smoke the weed, but then you can st- you'll still be able to change diapers. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna sell that thing. <laughs> But it's in their mind because it's like it's now big business up in Colorado and they're all just like waiting for it to like unfold across the country and become a massive new product like Coca-Cola or something. And of course it's going to be political and I don't know, shoot, we kind of laugh and say, well, they used to have um, cocaine, I guess, and Coke way back in the turn of the century, 19th century that is. And I don't know, so where am I going with that? So the weed, and I'm like, the, the, the lady who's also a sales person in Colorado into weed, um, you know, we, she's all excited about the business and they're gonna get together and talk about how she can probably invest in their weed business. I don't know, who knows? Maybe I'll get into weed. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it. But, you know, it's the weed thing. And uh, I don't know. So we'll see. Does it make people more loving and caring? I don't know. Mellow us out. We have so much stress in our lives, right? That we bring on ourselves. Which brings me to a book. Not the book that I'm sort of struggling with. But I was, I've been really introspective, feeling uneasy about my job and things and it's like trying to be perfect trying to make everybody happy did some googling and I came across this book called no more mr. nice guy right no more mr. nice guy and it's like about people pleasers and things and it's by a psychologist therapist or something and I don't know it must have been like a my, my Kindle won't work anymore as far as downloading books because my account was hacked last year and I really, I'm going to have to call Amazon today and try to like, let's get this account sorted out because I, I, can't, I can't get books. I can't connect my um, laptop with the Kindle app to my books anymore. I got devices all out the wazoo with Kindle on it. So then if I have a book open on my phone, I can't get it from my laptop, can't get it from my iPad, can't get it from the computer or whatever. It's like, you know, then I used to be able to like dismount. Like if I had my log into my account, I could manage my account, manage my books and say, well, actually I do want to read that book on my phone now. So take it off my iPad and let me have it on my phone type of thing. So these complex technology things are kind of pain in the butt but when your Amazon account gets hacked and you can't log in anymore and you change your password about a thousand times in the last eight months and every time you change your password get the two two whatever they call it two-way verification or 
you know, get your, I get a, I get a text with a code, type it in and I'm expecting it to work. And I go through that mumbo jumbo, get the code, put it in. Oh, sorry. There's a problem with your account. I'm like, frick, can someone just, I have to, I mean, I hope I can get a hold of somebody at Amazon today because I really am done with this. I want it back the way it was before integrated where I could manage my account, manage my books. And I just can't do it anymore. And I just, I don't have the patience to, to do it. I'm, I just, you know, these technology things can uh, be frustrating. So on the book, so I get the excerpt. It won't let me buy it, but I can get the excerpt. So I read part of it. It describes Mr. Mr. Nice Guy, People Pleaser, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking like, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And like one of them is, uh, this is the ironic thing, because yeah, I'm a contrarian by nature. But fortunately, he didn't say that being a contrarian was part of being a Mr. Nice Guy, right? But he talks about Mr. Nice Guy as being mostly black and white thinking, like it's all or nothing, black and white. And um, so... I read these uh, descriptions. Hey, good morning. You, you see, the families that come are, are they're total family. So, um, where was it, Mr. Nice Guy? So I read it, and I'm like, yeah, he's pointing out some characteristics of what he calls a Mr. Nice Guy. So then it gets into framing, right? So he names it Mr. Nice Guy Syndrome. Okay, great, I get it. Rob Bell, name it. You know, the power of naming it, right? Oh, wow, the guy named it Mr. Nice Guy Syndrome. So do I have some elements of that? Sure. But then I kind of like, is this book really going to help me? You know, and I I read the excerpts, and I'm like, you know, he points out a lot of problems with this quote-unquote syndrome, which he made up and named. And then I had to ask myself, well, wait a minute, Mike. He's just framing something. And you know what? He's doing a good job of framing it. And he's a psychologist and he's seen thousands of people. And so he can, should it be a surprise that he he can frame a situation like that? And, And just name off like, he probably can statistically look at his clientele of a thousand people and go, well, these are the top 10 issues that people have, people in general, right? And so he's going to frame it as nice guy syndrome, nice guy syndrome. And so he framed it and then he identifies it. And then he, he buckets people, if you want to say that. Like, oh, okay, you could be this bucket, that bucket, you know, and I'm going to, and he's got the perceived customization, the solution I never got to, the solution probably is in the book. And I'm thinking to myself, am I? I don't know, I might have elements of these things. And then I thought, wait a minute. We all, every one of us, have these thoughts occasionally. So he's, he's basically describing thoughts and behaviors that people have. And yeah, if you list out, I don't know, 20 behaviors, someone, it's going to click with you and go, oh yeah, I do that. Oh yeah, I have a problem with that. Oh, this book must be for me. <laughs> and, and, and it's, I'm back to the manipulation again. Now, did he frame it? Yeah. Did he name it? Yeah. 
is he he's offering a solution? Is he offering a transformation? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I like his transformation. I haven't even seen it. But then I thought, you know what? There's a thousand reviews on Amazon. So why don't I read some? Because I'm kind of hesitant. Like I, I mean, I'm on my own journey. And it's, I mean, I probably have more problems than just nice guy syndrome, right? So, and, and maybe it's not just, oh, I'm going to solve, get rid of all my nice guy syndrome. And then, then my life will be wonderful, you know? There's, it's like there's a lot of promise in the nice guy syndrome book. So much promise, like, oh, wow, you know? All these wonderful things will happen because I, I read this guy's book about how to improve. And so, I, I, as I do, I uh, obsess on things. So I have to pull myself back somehow. And that's me. You know, I obsess on things. And uh, I probably have more obsession than I do nice guy syndrome. But whatever, nice guys, you know, if we accept nice guy syndrome. And this is where it gets to my view like, of the distribution curve. I had to, I was like, wait, I got to go to my framework. Screw that guy's framework. I'm not going to buy. In fact, in fact, his framework violates his own his own principles right from the get-go. I could criticize, I could contrarian, I can tell him off. You know, I, he's, he's black and white and things. He's saying, you're a nice guy or you're not a nice guy. You got, either you got nice guy syndrome or you don't. You don't want to have nice guy syndrome, do you? No, no, you don't want to. Everybody else in the world that's normal and got it all together, they got their shit together. So they're, they're not a nice guy. No more Mr. Nice Guy there. They got it all. Oh, yeah. They got it all figured out. Oh, yeah. But isn't he just black and white? He's black-whiting it. The same thing he, he says is a nice guy syndrome. He's using that same element to suck you in. I mean, I, you know, it's like, and I shouldn't be surprised by that, right? He's after his own agenda to sell books, be, a, be, the, be the spokesman for nice guy syndrome, right? And so I just let, I, I have to be wise. Can I be wise? So a nice guy wouldn't be wise, you know? A nice guy would be, oh, thank you, Mr. Author. My love sucks so bad until I got your book. You saved me. And I was like, no, you didn't. You know, I don't know. It's, I'm being cynical. So, but yeah, can you get transformation? I thought, well, maybe I could read the book, but read it with the view that the guy's not 100% right. In fact, I already found a, an issue because so far he hasn't, he didn't in the beginning explain that, that it's actually a gradient. Come on, bud. It's, it's not a black and white thing. And he, I would have, I would have uh, appreciated his views more if he said, you know what? Every human being has some level of nice guy syndrome okay so it's just a matter of how heavy do you have it right how how much of it do you have how is it how much of it is deliberating (laughs) hurting you or whatever or how do they call that deliberating it's not deliberating i'm trying to say this word 
what is that word? Deliver. <laughs> it's like liber liberta limiting, delimiting. No. Anyway, I'll give it up. Because I'm no more Mr. Nice Guy. If I don't know the damn word, I'm going to let it go. Okay. I'm such a tough guy now. You know, I'm so tough. <laughs> But I know I have elements of nice guy syndrome, but it's like not black and white. Can we just say everybody has some elements of this? But he, the way the book's set up is to make it feel like you're unique and you're only you have this or, or this small subset of men have this nice guy syndrome. And I'd, I would prefer to be explained to or talked to that we all have elements of it. So this book's not going to black and white you from Mr. Nice Guy Syndrome to the other group, which is non-Mr. Nice Guy Syndrome. And maybe he you know, throws a few words in there. If he was smart, he would probably would have in his book that, well, hey, everybody has an element of this. Come on, it's got to be obvious, right? I mean... He probably thinks, well, it doesn't even have to be sad, man. You don't even have to tell people that we all have elements of it. But it, so far it comes across like just a certain percentage. You know, like 85% of the people in Colorado smoke weed. So, you know, he probably says, well, you know, 20% of you guys are really, really the nice guy. And, every, you know, the 80%. You, don't you want to join the 80%? who are not Mr. Nice Guys, you know, who just live in their lives so wonderfully that are just like got it all together, you know. Anyways, he named it, he, fra he framed it, he named it, and he's got a book. And a thousand, a thousand reviews. So I finally got down to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to the, I suspect this book is kind of crappy. And so what I'm going to do is look at the one-star reviews. So he's got quite a few one-star reviews. And lo and behold, I, I get some affirmation that the book promises a lot, but it doesn't seem to be delivering. It promises transformation. But for many people, it didn't deliver the transformation they were looking for. So is that okay? Is that I think that's okay. I mean, what I mean. So now, I'm like, no, I'm I'm not going to throw that guy ten bucks for his book. I'm going to get my Kindle account working, but I'm not. That's not going to be the first purchase I make is that guy's book. <laughs> I got to get my Kindle account working, um, and I'll thank the account mess up that I didn't buy the guy's book because although he frames it well. And he probably talks about it, and he tells stories that relate. You know, the, the one-star comments were just let it lay flat. And then it may help with uh, five-star comments. That five-star people probably loved it. Changed their life. But it, did it really, does it really give you lasting change? Does any book give you lasting change? Not sure. It depends on the promise, I guess. You know? So I prefer the um, don't let the jerks get the best of you, which has some element. It's a different way of framing it. Uh, framing 
jerk behavior, which is, you know, so this guy frames it with nice guy. The jerk book frames it with jerks, but at least the jerks guy is more honest that there's different levels of it. Hey, bud, come on. I want to go over here, bud. We're not, come on, come on. Let's go home. So the, the jerk book at least frames it with some distribution curves, you know, first degree jerks, second degree jerks, nth degree jerks, and there are certain populations. And so it's a, it's a matter of degree. So I prefer that degree distribution curve view. So again, maybe it's, it's a probably a lesson for me in any, anything I may ever write, which is to keep emphasizing that it's not black and white. It isn't black, nothing, this stuff is not black and white. And journey of transformation, journey of improvement and moving towards betterment. So today's Easter and uh, a guy from my church sent me the, wow. Um, sent me the classic Baptist greeting on Easter, which I've heard for 20-some years, which is, He is risen! He is risen! And the expected response is, He is risen indeed! So did you hear a little little bit of sarcasm in that? So that's the, the expected response. So that text came in night. I don't know. It was nice to receive that text, actually. And I was in the middle of my journaling on my MacBook Pro technology again, hooked up to Wi-Fi in the backyard, in the 65-degree cool shade before it got to be 71. And uh, so that pops in. I'm like, okay, cool. I just finished my journaling. And... Uh, you know, I, I know I'm struggling with nice guys syndrome. <laughs> or at least somebody framed it and named it, and I'm like buying into it. Too much black and white. Got to let go of the black and white. So I, I wrote him a nice. See, it's a text message, right? So most people probably text from their phone. But I have Messenger on my MacBook Pro, so I can. I got a keyboard, man. I can. I can whip out a, a whole sermon in uh, uh, a one-minute sermon really quickly. I can, I can whip out a one-minute sermon in about five minutes. So that's what I did. I kind of said, uh, yeah, well, I know the expected response is he is risen indeed. And my thoughts are he rose 2,000 years ago. He did, and the question is, am I risen? So that's a deep thought, which I actually do struggle with. Like, am I living with the mindset of resurrection? So we, we have the opportunity to live with that mindset, but it's not a supported mindset. It's not the mindset of, some might say abundance. 
which has some connotations to it. Just like Holy Spirit has connotations that challenge the uh, the listener or hear, hearing of the thing. So, um, yeah, abundance, but it's eternity. So, and one way to look at abundance is eternity. And do I live in resurrected mindset that that's where we will be or not? So, he is risen, has me, has me thinking about many things. And uh, I'll get some juice here. Eventually I'll have some pancakes that my wife made. And she's off at church singing. And her experience is probably more traditional than mine. And that's okay. I should just let that go. So he is risen. What does that mean? And I, again, the quick pat answer is, he is risen indeed. And there's almost an implied message in, he is risen indeed. Like we're in on it, we're in on this thing. And I'm self-conscious and I'm like, well, do I really live? Do I really live the, uh, do I really live the risen life, you know? Can I, if I can only say he is risen indeed with enthusiasm and gusto, if it's really in my soul, you know? If it's really, really deep in my soul. So my question to myself is like, am I, am I living resurrected? Am I, it's happened, happened 2,000 years ago, it's over, it's done, it's done. It's over. It's finished. He said it's finished. Finished, resurrected. Now, new life. Can I live new life? And because I want to love everyone always, um, and I got to love myself. I got to start with myself. Little Michael Jackson inspiration. Man in the mirror, which reminds me that my iPhone technology again. All my music is now does seems to be disappeared. I thought I was sharing it, blah, blah, blah. Now I only have certain artists on here. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Do we do a backup? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and there's a Easter 2019 memory. Oh, and apparently that's right, Easter. Easter's when I was like one, I was like 20 months old and apparently my dad took the hot iron in Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Vicksburg, Michigan saw me playing my curiosity of the iron plugged it in the wall it's smoking hot i guess dad wanted to go home and burn my hand on the iron right so oh ha ha funny 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 my brother says i cried all the way home for four hours my sister says get over it you only cried for 15 minutes it's no big deal <laughs> and I, I told my sister yeah no big deal to you it didn't happen to you <laughs> So am I, I'm laughing, am I laughing with pain and sorrow? Yeah, there's, if I think about it, I do have sorrow because I think it did set me on a path of mistrust of others. And it's, it's like I go extremes. I like don't trust people I probably should. And 
I, I trust people I probably shouldn't because I'm confused. So I take risks, you know. It's like I don't know how to trust people. I, my, my beginning in life trust was rather shattered, you know, by this burning iron. It makes sense to me psychologically. I don't know. And it's, it is kind of like just get over it, right? I mean, I, I'm not bitter towards my dad, but I can't erase what happened. It happened. So how did it impact me? I think it did cause me problems with trust issues. And what does that I mean? Trust issues are general. I think I, I think I said it. It's I probably don't trust the people I should, and I probably trust people I shouldn't. So I, you know, and. That's my thing. And I have to love myself and my condition. And um, if I love myself, I can really, then I can love others and be forgiving. And, and I'm on the journey. I'm on the path. And, and the Mr. Nice Guy book's not going to help me, <laughs> I don't think. This is going to probably crank me up. And so I read a few, enough one-star reviews and let them uh, learn from others that it kind of sucks. But anyway, that's, that's that. Where was I going? So risen indeed so am i living in resurrected life and that resurrected life is not performance god loves us all you know some of us suck we suck i mean what what are we doing we're comparing ourselves to ourselves and and kind of that's maybe what the mr nice guy crap is he framed it and he compares a part of the population the distribution curve if you put the axis like who's really really living and, and being uh, hindered by the nice guy syndrome. And then on the other end of the spectrum, our people are totally opposite. And it's a journey. Why don't you make steps? I get it. Well, we're going to make steps. It's not black and white. Let's make steps towards healthier living. That's it. And I'm going to save 10 bucks, whatever. And I give this wisdom free, my own Amazon review of the book without having read it, which is who cares? <laughs> so uh, let me wrap this up I think my friend sent me a text message let's see what he said so I'm nice guy syndrome he goes Jesus was the ultimate nice guy <laughs> he gave everything even though he wasn't always nice so there you go Jesus was the ultimate nice guy. He gave everything, even though he wasn't always nice. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's a good summary of the book. He's, I'll take that as a recommendation of not pursuing the teachings of the nice guy syndrome. Okay, everybody, it's... Uh, um, he was risen, so... He is uh, alive now. He left. Not only did he rise on this, we celebrate his resurrection. But uh, unfortunately, our church, we don't usually celebrate the ascension. And so I think there's an implied he's alive right now. He's risen, right? But he's also gone, right? So remember the 40 days he made appearances they the guys still didn't understand what was going on they're like well he shows up and then he disappears he shows up and then he comes back and oh, oh 
here's the last time, 40 days later. I'm leaving for good now, dudes. So 40 days from now, we'll have the Ascension. And then 10 days after that, we have Pentecost. And I kind of wish we would think about those things uh, more frequently. Maybe I should put that in the book and the message. Thinking about Ascension and Pentecost. So there you go, folks. Um, Today, we celebrate a resurrection. My question is to myself is, am I living with a mindset of resurrection? Am I, when Paul says to die to yourself, it's, it's the flesh. You know, let the spirit alive in you. Die to the flesh. Let our flesh die out. Crucify the flesh. Crucify with Christ. He did it. And he resurrected. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. What is that? The faith in ascended God who sent his Holy Spirit. So he's offered us the Holy Spirit. May we have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. So hard. May we all walk in the Spirit of the risen Lord. And may we have that grace, peace, and mercy in his name. Have a great moment as you listen to this. And uh, maybe I'll talk to you later.